0: Deuteronomy chapter 32. Excuse me. I actually want to read over in uh, verse 31, and we're going to come back to the first part of the chapter. The title of the message is, their rock is not like our rock. Verse 31, their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies, their selves being judges. You don't believe that their rock is not as our rock? Well, just ask them. That's what he's saying. He said, they'll tell you. So let's begin back in verse, with that thought in mind. Let's read verse 30 of chapter 31. And Moses spake in the ear of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. If you read on over into the last part of this chapter, this was probably the You'll say the last song that Moses sung to the children of Israel. And they would learn these songs because they would need to be brought back to their mind because they were sinners and need of mercy and grace. This song is given for the children of God when they sin, and we sin. I'm glad you sung that song, Jeff. I had not heard it sung in a long time. How tedious and tasteless the hours when Jesus no longer I see. Why is it my winters are so long? See, we, he brings those things in our hearts rejoice because we know he's delivered us. And even winter in our soul has a reason. It's given to those who may or will in time fall. Without It's no question about it. We will fall. In this chapter, it makes reference to our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ, and he said he's our rock. He's the rock that followed them. That rock is Christ. A rock is something solid, something immovable, a mighty fortress. I'll give you a couple of scriptures. The disciples came one day, and the Lord asked them, he said, what do, who do men say that I am? The disciples, you know, they'd heard people talk just by passing by, and he said, well, some say you're Elijah raised from the dead, or maybe you're some other prophet, or maybe you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. He said, but whom do you say I am? You know what Peter said? Poor Peter. He missed it a lot of times. He didn't miss this. He said, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And our Lord said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father. And he said, upon this rock, not Peter. He didn't build his church upon Peter. He didn't make Peter a pope. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And whoso hears these sayings of our Lord and does them not will be likened to a man who built his house on the sand. But he who hears this word and does those things is like a man who built his house upon the rock. So we're going to just begin in verse 1. Give ear, O you heavens, And I will speak and hear, a worth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. What a picture. Because I will publish the name of the Lord Ascribe ye greatness to our God. Verse 4, he is the rock. He didn't say he is a rock. He's not one rock among many rocks. He is the rock. And his work is perfect. In all his ways are judgment A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Boy, whom we sin, that would be, may God bring that to our mind, that he is our rock, and he he is a God of judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of the children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. There are two types of people in this world, sheep and goats. God's chosen elect people and those that he's just left to themselves. He said, they've corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of the children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do they thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise, is not he thy father that hath bought thee and has not he made thee and established thee? Who bought you? Who redeemed you? Who paid your sin debt? That's what he's saying. Who bought you? Why would he ask that question? Because we are prone to forget. Verse 7, remember the days of old? Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father. He'll show thee. Ask thy elders. And they'll tell you they've been through some things. They've sinned, they've failed. They'll tell you, just, just ask them. An instant that comes to my mind is when, I think it was Rebecca. She was with child. She was with twins, Jacob and Esau. And she said, why am I thus? Why this struggle on the inside? And it says, the scriptures just say that she sought the Lord. What does that mean she sought the Lord? Who did, who did she go talk to? Abraham's probably still living. You reckon Abraham could give her a little bit of advice? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It says, ask your father. Ask the elders. They, they've been through some things. And the Lord told her, he said, you got two nations in your womb. And they're struggling. They're fighting. The elder's going to serve the younger. Look in verse 8. When the Most High... Divided to the the nations their inheritance. When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Why did he put certain people in certain areas upon the earth? He said it was all according to Israel. Now this is not... Talking about some nation of a group of people called Jews. This is God's elect. He did it according to them. Everything. Plumb back to the sons of Adam. The sons of Adam. Verse 9 For the Lord's portion is his people. The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He didn't say Esau is the lot of his inheritance. He said Jacob is. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. will not you look in verse 10. He found him. Where did he find him? In a desert land. And in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He found him. He led him. He instructed him. Oh, he told him. We have to be taught over and over and over and over and over again. You know why I forget? She says, well, I told you one time. I didn't get it. Either I wasn't listening or didn't want to hear or I just forgot it. She called me to go do something this morning. I come in, she said, did you do that? And I go, no. <laughs> I said, I, and I really did. I That, that quick I forgot. I, well, I want to get back in the house. But he, the Lord, they shall be all taught of God. He instructed them, and he kept them as the apple of his eye. He keeps his elect. He watches over them. He's ordered your steps. Then he gives an example of this, of instruction. I've preached this several times. As an eagle stirreth up her nest... Fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, she takes them and bears them on her wings. Why does she stir up the nest? To teach them to have to fly. If they didn't, they didn't, they would be comfortable, and they would just there and just die in that nest, mama feeding them. And she'll make the nest uncomfortable to teach them, y'all need to leave. And you know what she's got to teach them to do? To fly. They don't know how to fly. And you know what they say an eagle will do? Most birds, she carries her little ones on her back. What a picture. To get to them little ones, you have to go through her. You have to go through Christ to get to his people. And you know what that eagle would do? She'd dump them little eaglets off. Can you not see them falling and then they go, well, I'm going to hit the ground? Oh, no. Before they hit the ground, she gets down and she catches them. What she's doing. She's teaching them. And the Lord teaches us. you think he's are going to perish? You think he's going to let you fall, but then he catches you. You know what He wants you to do? He wants you to soar. Eagles ain't made to walk on the ground, they're made to the soar. They fly. You know what? When you get up high, you can see things a lot differently. <laughs> but he, she's instructing them. He's teaching us. So the Lord alone did lead him. And there was no strange God with him. God led them. God taught them. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, buttering kind and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshurun, what does that mean? It means the upright one, the just one. Well, who are the just ones? Those that God has made just, those that He has made right. And Jeshurun. It's amazing when I read this. I started looking over it last night, and I had about you know completed working on my first message. Look what it says about Jeshurun. What, what happened about Jeshurun? He waxed fat. I thought, boy, isn't that just a coincidence? And he kicked. Thou art waxing fat. Thou art become thick. Thou art covered with fatness. When he forsook God, oh, there's the evidence of his fatness. He forsook God, which made him, and he lightly esteemed, the rock of his salvation. Now, he's not changing horses in the middle of the stream. What's he been talking about? He's been talking about his people. He's still talking about his people. Jesharon, you mean Jesharon, the children of God, can wax fat? Well, sure they can. And they, look what they did. They forsook God and they lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. how in the world could we ever do that but i'm telling you i'm here to tell you we do they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods with abominations provoked they him to anger they sacrificed unto devils and not to god to gods whom they knew not new gods that came up newly whom their fathers Feared not. Let me see if I can find. I had a a scripture talking about these new gods. Men like to think that they know something nobody else does. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. I heard someone. I heard someone make this statement one time. I go, hold on here. We were we were all sitting around, and they said, you know we're such an enlightened generation that we, we, we know more than Spurgeon and, and Gill and and non-Newton and Bunyan. You know, we, we know more. And I'm thinking, you just revealed how little you do know. I don't care what we have. We may have a lot of things they didn't, but I can tell you, you read behind those men. Those men, were, those men had been taught something. Those men had been instructed. Those men had been taught to fly. To soar. But I think it's, it's in Acts. I can't remember. Let me see if I can find the scripture. Oh, yeah, here it is in Acts seventeen twenty one. And all the Athenians and strangers which were there, they spent all their time and nothing else but to tell or to hear some new thing. I don't have anything new. I have something as old as eternity. When a man says he's got something new, years ought to pop up. That's what he said. They said, uh, they sacrificed them to devils, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful. Notice how many times he uses that word rock. He wants them to remember it. What? Who is the rock? And hath forgotten God that formed thee. Of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what therein shall be. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. The way they lived and walked, it was as if they had no faith. How did he teach them? Why do my winters seem so long? Most winter days here in this part of the state is just like today. Cloudy, dreary, damp days. Isn't it, and most of the time, our life is a dark, damp, dreary thing, but thank goodness when the sun shines, the sun's right where it's always been they have moved, verse twenty one they have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God, they have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger when a foolish nation, for the fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn into the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischief upon them, I will send mine arrows upon them, they shall be burnt with a hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beast upon them and the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword without and the terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the sucking also in the man of gray hairs. No one's exempt. And I said, I would scatter them into corners. I will make the remembrance of them deceased from among men. Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, unless they should say, Our hand is high, and the Lord hath not done all this. God's not afraid of anything. But he's doing things in such a way so that the enemy can't say, God couldn't do that. God does as he pleases. And you know what? You have to be taught that. No matter what you're going through and when you go through it, you remember that God does as he pleases. His ways are always perfect. He knows what's best. He knows how to teach us. Whatever it is. You know, men say today, God didn't do that. Oh, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Why was Eglon sitting under the palm trees? God did that. God strengthened his hand or he wouldn't have been there. And what's he doing? He's teaching us. Teaching us what? That he's the rock. Verse twenty eight, for there are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight? Except their rock had sold them, and the Lord had shut them up. Their rock. You notice that word rock has a small R. Their self-righteousness, that which they trust in, is not like our rock. They're trusting in their own self-righteousness. And you know what God keeps teaching you? You have none of your own. You have none. Their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is as the vine of Sodom, and their fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store with me and sealed up among my treasures? To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time when the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. I want you to see this, for the Lord shall judge his people. If judgment began at the house of God, where does the ungodly appear? And repentest thyself for his servants, when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. And he sh- shall say, where is their God's? The rock in whom they trusted. Where is their gods? You have a God. You know where your God is. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. But where's your God? Where's your rock? And he shall say, Where are you gods? Where are you gods? They don't have a it don't have a capital G-O-D. It's a small because there's no God at all. They can't save. Where are their gods? The rock in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. Let them save you. Let them protect you. That's what he's saying. They can't. They have mouths, they speak not. Ears they hear not. Now look in verse 39. See now. I want you to see this. See now that I, even I, am he. Did you see that? He says it three or four, I, am I. There is no God with me. He doesn't need any help from anyone. He's God. If he, if he needs help from somebody else, he would cease to be God. What is our God like? What is our rock like? He tells us. I kill and I make alive. Is that not what sums up what Barnard said? Before God's going to save you, he's got to kill your God. I kill and I make alive. And that's how he works. Paul said, I was alive without the law once, but when the law came, sin revived and I, I died. That's salvation. That's how God saves sinners. Men want the glory without the crucifix. They want the glory without the cross. They don't want to die. And we die daily. What I would do, I don't do. I kill and I make alive. If he's never killed you, you're not alive. I kill, but then he gives life. I wound, and then I heal. What grace and mercy. He wounds the conscience, and then he heals it. He kills. So if, if he kills you, he means to give you life. Life. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Nobody. What's that basically saying? It says if God intends to save you, nobody's going to stop him. Nobody can deliver you out of his hand. For I'll lift up my hand to heaven and say i live forever. If I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood, and the sword shall devour our flesh, and that, which the blood, and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revengers upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries, and he will be merciful unto his land and to his people." And Moses came and spake all the words of this song in the ears of the people. He and Hosea, or Joshua, the son of Nun. And Moses made an end of speaking all these words to all Israel. And he said unto them, set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day. He said, don't forget what I just read. Which you shall command your children to observe, you teach your children all the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. Remember that? This is your life, not something else your life. Well, Jesus is a big part of my life. If he's a big part, he's no part at all. He's my life. That's what Paul said, he's my life. When, when Christ, who is my life, shall perish, what are you living for? is your life, and though the thing and through this thing you shall prolong your days in the land whether you go over Jordan to possess it. Let me just read verses 48 through 53 and just make one or two comments. With all that in mind, I'm going to read to you where Moses won't go into the promised land. He won't go into Canaan we know Moses is a picture of the law. The law cannot save you. The law can kill, but it can't give life. The law can wound, but it can't, it can't heal. It doesn't have the ability. But it serves a purpose. And the Lord spake unto Moses that selfsame day, saying, Get thee up unto the mountain of Aram, unto Mount Nebo, which is in, which is in the land of Moab, That is over against Jericho, and behold, the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel for a possession. And you're going to die in the mount, whether thou goest up and be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Horeb and was gathered unto his people. He said, You're not going into Canaan. Why did Moses not get to go into Canaan? It has something to do with a rock. Because you transgressed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Merdesh Kadesh. Let me tell you this. Children of Israel were thirsty. And they needed water. And uh, they didn't have any water. And the Lord told Moses, he said, you go over here and I'm going to show you this rock. Which is Christ. And you know that rod that's in your hand, Moses, that you opened up the Red Sea, that you brought all them plagues upon Egypt? I want you to take that rod and I want you to smite that rock. And when you smite that rock, out of that rock's going to bring water. What's that? It's a picture of well, Christ is the rock. The rod is the word of God, the law of God that smote the Lord Jesus Christ when he died, and out from him came forth water. What a picture. <laughs> And that, they all drank it. That's why I read in First Corinthians 10, they all drank of that same water. And that rock, from that rock, and that rock was Christ. Well, he did what God told him to do. But there was another time. They're thirsty again. And the Lord said, I want you to go out there and speak to the rock. Christ is only smitten one time. Moses goes out there, and Moses is mad. Moses is, the Bible says he was the meekest man that ever lived, and he's still a man, and he lost his temper. You know what he said? You bunch of rebels, you don't appreciate nothing. He said, you want me and Aaron to bring you some water? He didn't speak to the rock. He hit the rock not once but twice. You said, God's not going to let him in because of that? That's exactly right. Christ was not smitten two or three times. He died one time. was sufficient. He said, because you transgressed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel. What he did did not bring honor and glory to God. What am I saying? This thing of the rock is serious. It's not just any rock. Our rock's not like our rock. Their rock says, well, you, you, every time you take mass, he dies all over again. That he, that he can't save unless you let him save. That's, that's their rock. He's not like our rock. He died once. He was smitten. Yet thou shalt see the land before thee, and thou shalt not go in thither into the land which I give to the children of Israel. He said you didn't sanctify the Lord before the children of Israel.